On this How to Be 60, Vanessa Feltz is very honest about her work plans, her relationships and those Strictly costumes. And if it's a kind of frou-frou with just one tassel on each nipple and your, you know, vagina showing, you think, oh God, is this dignified? You know, do okay, you, you quite like that one. You, like, you, you try and go for that one. And I'm wondering how to be 60. It's scaring the shit out of me. Order, order, everyone. It is time for your weekly instruction on how to be 60 with me, the ever-youthful 40-19-year-old Kay Adams and the ever-hopeful Karen McKenzie, now deep, deep into her 60s. And, you know, even as I'm saying that, I can hear myself being sad and pathetic. You are sad and pathetic. You the words from my mouth. I have to give up these jokes, don't I? What are they about? I just don't know. I just can't help making crap jokes about age. But it's I've got fun, to get over it. it. You, you'd be like um, applying for to do these horrible uh, birthday cards. You get, you know, uh, lines on the birthday cards. It'll be like Christmas cracker jokes. You'll be making birthday cards for people that are sixty. With well, all actually, your naff jokes. I read a report recently that said that we need to to age positively. Stop making jokes about age. We need to embrace it. We need to be more positive. We need to stop doing what I do. So that is what I am now going to try and do, but I'm going to have to change the habit of an absolute lifetime. But anyway, you deserve it after that showing today. Let me just explain to <laughs> I everyone. what? Karen and I were on the radio today doing an item about, uh, I don't know, sort of modern conundrums of life. And the question was, can you disinvite someone from a wedding that you have previously invited because you've decided <laughs> that you didn't really like them anymore? And... You said you could. Well, I, I just, I mean, you just can't. Well, I've got to go one way or the other. And if I said yes, how dull would I sound? Boring. You just wouldn't get any items out of it, would you? So I, I thought I have to say, you know what? Yeah. Now, the background to this was it was somebody that the woman used to work with. They never liked each other. Why she was invited in the first place, I'm not quite sure. Uh, they never liked each other. And uh, they didn't even work together anymore. I mean, OK, I don't want to launch into the price of weddings. But <laughs> you need to take that into account. And why? I mean, in what way could you sit, sitting there at the top table, looking around with a smile on your face, and suddenly you see Betty from accounts, as you would say, no thanks. So absolutely. Now, I'm not talking about an inviting her the week before, but you know what? Ten days before. <laughs> <laughs> weeks. <laughs> you just cannot do it. Um, speaking of weddings, Aye. you did say last time, of course, you've got Lisa's wedding coming up very oh, yes. shortly. God, yes. And you did say that your wedding outfit was a little bit on the <laughs> neat side. Are you managing to zip it up yet? All I'm saying is four and a half pounds in my favour. In a week? Yes. Oh, it's all fluid. But I mean, you're expected to lose that in a week if you stick to it. And then after that, of course, it's like half a pound and a pound and whatever. But so what have you been doing? Oh, nil God, by mouth. Knocking off. The, what did you say? Nil by mouth. No, <laughs> no, almost no bread. And that's the kind of crux of it. Now we've had Alex's, my younger daughter's 30th birthday since then. And also I went out for a meal with Stephen. And, and both of them, I had copious amounts of wine. But certainly after the first night, I didn't even want him to eat the next day. So that was all right. And uh, the second, for Alex's birthday, it was a vegan meal. And I kept thinking the portions were so tiny. 
And I just thought it's vegan. There'll be no no calories in this. So I just kept eating. And uh, I am amazed. But basically, and I've heard you saying this before, it's no snacking. So no bread and no snacking. I have to say I'm starving. Oh, God. And eating sweet potatoes. Now, they sound revolting. But actually, I found this recipe that's quite nice. It's with lime. You're getting lemon boring rind. now. No, I'm You're not boring now. Lemon rind and tarragon and a tomato and basil sauce. And you know what? I can deal with it. So... I need to watch the meals just for another week and then I'll be fine. Well, I'm going to have to take your advice, Oh my actually. God, I'm looking at your tummy. I know, I'm looking I'm at not normally the top of my jeans are terrible. And I your t- zip's half open. Is well, that because oh no. you can't pull it and right I've up? Got, <gasps> okay, I've got this bloody Strictly coming up. Oh, I yes! I am going to have to lose some beef, I tell you. Do you know what? The I'm not going to be old and of- fat. That's true. The dancing, I think, will take care of that. <laughs> Your core. Oh, my God. You're going to be in such agony. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you God. dance? Two left no, feet. I told you I can't dance. No. You know, it's funny. I was thinking about the, the whole thing and thinking to myself, why did I agree to this? Because I can't dance. The money. I bet it was the money. No, no it wasn't the money. Oh, right. it, it really wasn't the money. Um, and actually... It's easier now that I'm approaching 60 than it would have been if I was 40. Is that because you're the... Well, I'll be the old bat. All right, fair enough. But um, I think when you're 40, you've still got a sense of yourself. You're still trying to compete. You still think that you're, you know, in your prime. Whereas I get to this age and I think... Well, why not? I mean, I don't know if you saw Brad Pitt, who, okay, is a very gorgeous 58-year-old, but he turned up to the premiere of his film the other week uh-huh. wearing a skirt. I did and not. And there was all sorts of publicity about that. Oh, my God, Brad Pitt. What's, has, has he gone crazy? Has he lost it? Now, did it look like a kilt? Or how did it he look? He looked very cool. You know, Holy he's a very handsome guy. Brad Pitt, for God's But sense. his quote was, we're all going to die, so let's mess it up. Oh, really now? So that's just go for it. Enjoy life. Yeah. Just... Fuck it. It really resonated with me because I do think as people get older and without being too binary about it, some people's lives shrink mm-hmm. and they get settled in this is the way I've always done it and this is the way I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And then other people think, do you know what? To hell with it. I'm going to do things differently. Um, and I, I love that. I'm drawn to that rather than the shrinking. Oh, Christ, yeah, I would say so. So do you think that personality is always there or do you think it just comes from age that you think that could go one way or the other? I don't or is know. it always within you? I, yeah, no, Are I you think, quite free and easy about things? I think I've always, I've never wanted to be conventional. Even although outwardly I think people see me as conventional, mm. I don't see myself as conventional. Are you cautious? No, I, well, Christ, I've signed up for Strictly. No, I'm not cautious. No, I'm an idiot. Um, now, listen, we've got Vanessa Feltz coming up, talking I'm... about messing. I don't mean messing life up. I'm sure Vanessa will understand when we speak to her. <laughs> I think Brad Pitt means, you know, kind of throwing all your cards in the air and seeing where they'll land. Um, she's chucked in her radio shows after Day. God knows how many years. Um, she is the hardest working woman in the business. I mean, she's presented three radio programmes in the morning before you've got out to walk uh, the dog. Do you know what? I didn't realise that until I read up on things. Unbelievable oh my schedule. God. What energy. But she's decided to shake it up, so we're going to be speaking to Vanessa in just a second. But before we do, we've got a couple of emails in. This is from Mark, mm-hmm. and this is incredible, isn't it? Mark is suggesting, what about Vanessa Feltz as a guest? 
<laughs> she turned 60 this year and she's become a fun Instagram person. Also something that she said when I thought about it, as it resonated with me, says Mark, is that one of her parents didn't make it to 60. And Mark says, I lost my dad when he was 57 and now I can never see him being old in my mind. Mm. Uh, Mum and dad divorced 10 years prior to that. But weirdly, this week, if mum and dad had stayed together, it would have been their 50th anniversary. So that's obviously yes. struck a chord yeah, with, yeah, with Mark. Yeah. Um, he's going to be very pleased when uh, oh, I yes. say hello to Vanessa. But this one, and I want to know what Vanessa thinks about this one, is from Jennifer Wink. It's a bit of a long one, but it's a wonderful one. Just discovered your podcast yesterday, recommended by a friend. I'm now on episode four. I absolutely love it. So I'm 57. Mm -hmm. Stop work at 55. I saw it as stopping paid work, uh -huh. but certainly not retiring from life. Oh, good point. I believe I'm now living my best life. Karen really resonates with me. Oh. Um, my work was great, but it came to a point where I thought this chapter is ending, even although it has been great. I'm never bored. I exercise every day. I oh. walk my fur baby. I learn Spanish. <gasps> I listen to every podcast on neuroscience, well-being and spirituality oh. because I'm really curious. And now I have time to devour all this stuff. What I love most is not being time managed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My guilty pleasure now is making a cup of coffee, jumping back into bed Ooh. to learn Spanish. How oh, brilliant. It is absolutely delicious. And it really made me think, what a perfect email mm -hmm. for Vanessa, who I think is with us now. And she has, I'm very grateful because Vanessa, I know it was a huge announcement for you to make the other week. You went off on holiday, very understandably, just to decompress. So thanks very much for speaking to us. Uh, how, are you, how are you doing? Well, I am decompressing, actually. And I, I, um, I don't think I quite realised the sort of emotional impact leaving not one job I absolutely adore with every fibre of my being, but two, um, and making the announcements on the same day, I had to make sort of two incredibly emotional, deeply heartfelt tear-strewn farewell speeches uh, within a couple of hours of one another. I don't know whoever gets to have to make two leaving speeches for two different jobs on the same day. But I think when I came home, I really did have to lie down in a darkened room with a cold compress over my head and think about, you know, just trying to breathe to kind of, you know, keep on an even keel. But I'm I'm very, very lucky because that very day I, I, I came out to beautiful Ireland. East Cork is my most beloved place in the world. And I'm with with uh, both my daughters and my sons-in-law and Ben, my beautiful other half, all the grandbabies, one on the way. Um, and we're just having a lovely time. And actually, I'm talking to you from the Coal Mining Museum. <laughs> <laughs> so did it surprise you how, obviously, it's a big decision, but did it surprise you the emotional impact that it had? Uh, I, I knew it was a big deal. I've been thinking about it for absolutely ages. It, it, it was really just, you know, having to dump out of bed at half past three in the morning. I was live on air at 4 a.m. Then I spoke from the absolute heart and soul to my lovely Radio 2 listeners, who are all the people who are basically keeping the country afloat, you know, the ambulance drivers and the cleaners and the delivery drivers and the police and the fire, you know, all those people who are awake before dawn. And then at half past six, when the show finished, I'd rush across the road, often in the dark, always in the rain, you know, into a completely different building, up two flights of stairs. 
I did the handover at quarter to seven and I was on air from seven till ten. And on the days that I do this morning on the telly, I run down the back stairs and jump on a limo bike, a motorbike, because it's the only way I could get to this morning studio in time. And I'd run down the stairs there, holding onto the wall, hoping, God, don't let me fall over and break a hip, for God's sake. And then they say, hello, Vanessa, hang on, wait a minute, wait a minute. She's got, hang on, three minutes in makeup. And, and my hair would be all wet from the motorbike, all squashed by the helmet. My face would be sort of red. I'd be having a hot flush. They'd shove a false eyelash on me and I'd be on the telly with beautiful Holly Willoughby and I've been doing that for years and years and years at that sort of pace you know and I think my children thought that I would just keel over in the saddle mm -hmm. and they didn't want me to keel over quite so soon and actually I love life I don't want to die young because I'm constantly working like a fiend so I think I kind of had to reappraise and certainly turning 60 which I did in February this year did concentrate the mind very much so. In what in what way did it concentrate the mind? Well, as you were just saying, as your emailer said, you know, my mum died at the age of 57 and she died of endometrial cancer. And she was one of the women who I think are badly failed by the health system. In other words, she was highly articulate. She was a graduate in history from LSE, the London School of Economics, had no trouble at all explaining what was going on with her biologically or physically. And I think she was basically told there, there, you know, little girl, don't don't worry about it, run away and, um, you know, take, maybe take a few antidepressants, you know. I'm sure there's nothing wrong with you. And of course there was. She had cancer of the womb and it killed her, you know, at the age of 57. So every day that I've lived longer than my mum, I have a been in disbelief because I, I, I know it is a natural phenomenon that people believe that they will die on the same day that the parent that died young died. And I had it all worked out. I knew exactly what day I was going to be, you know, 57, three months, four days, three hours. And I couldn't even imagine living any longer than that. And I know loads of people feel that way. I know Eamon Holmes lost his dad really young and he feels like that. Lots of my listeners, when I once did a show on it, feel the same. You just can't envisage yourself being on this planet, surviving to be older than your beloved mom or dad, whichever one was. And so I didn't think I was going to be given this old age or this older age. And so, you know, every single day beyond 57, I really do consider a complete bonus. And sometimes I have to kind of stop myself in my tracks and think, you know, what was my mom doing at this age? And I think, my God, my mom wasn't alive. You know, she'd already been dead three years. Mm. And I think of her you know, I think of her plot in the um, burial ground, which is in Bushy in, in sort of Hertfordshire, just outside North London. And she, I remember when, after the funeral, when all of her friends and everybody, all her family and everybody we loved, you know, went back to the house for, you know, for prayers and, and you know, to sort of eat food, you know, as people do. And there was my mum and we were just leaving her behind. And all these years, 26 years, I felt that she's just left behind, missing out on everything, missing out on all things. And I, you know, it, it wrenches at my heart every single day of my life that she's not here to share it with me. And so, you know, turning 60, three years longer than she ever had, a monumental big birthday. I mean, I think I suppose I I started to reappraise a little bit and think all this careering around, all this, you know, feeling important because somebody's waiting for you here and somebody's waiting for you there. And five different people had to step in and do my jobs whenever I go on holiday. Someone has to write my newspaper column. Someone sits in at Radio 2. A different person sits in at Radio London. You know, someone else doing my slot on this morning. Someone else is doing my agony art column. You know, OK, it's great. Fabulous. But actually, you know, are there more important things? And is one of them maybe having a bit of sleep for a change? Yeah. But is there also a sense of loss in that, as you say, you know, you're a very successful broadcaster. You've got all these jobs. You're in demand. You've got, you know, so many listeners who, who love you and readers. Are you prepared? I mean, you're not going to disappear. I know you're in a coal mining museum at the moment, <laughs> but you're not going to disappear. Obviously. But 
you know, a lot of our self-worth, and I struggle with this, and Karen is constantly digging me up about this. Mm-hmm. I, If I'm really honest, I struggle with, like, not being anybody. What will I be? What will I be? Yes, well, I mean, I don't think it will be a much of a surprise to many people that, you know, I do have an announcement which I will be making in the next couple of weeks. Oh, you tease. You complete uh, tease. Hang on. Hang on. I know. Is that, is that it? I beg your pardon? Well, you're not pregnant, so what can it be? <laughs> I'm not pregnant? God, that Give us a hint. Problem. I can't. What does it but begin can... with? Mm, well, you've done strictly, let me just think. Right, okay, I'm just going to sit in here and ponder, and then you carry on talking to Kay. Hmm. I'm not going to disappear, and I'm not going to not have a job, obviously. It's a different job somewhere else. Because um, I, I don't think I could have made a leap into the abyss of absolute nothingness for exactly the reasons that you've given, because... You know, I love what I do too much. And, you know, if somebody wants me to do it, I want to do it. That's the thing. And it's 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 great fun. It's a great privilege. It's a huge responsibility. And it's one of the most stimulating jobs you can ever get because literally there are no two days the same. You never know whether there's going to be that Icelandic volcano that meant that suddenly nobody could get back from their holidays or whether there's going to be, I was once broadcasting, there was a tornado in Bethnal Green in London, the first ever tornado in Bethnal Green. It was brilliant. You know, you just don't know what's going to and when and when of course there's going to be a pandemic god forbid and when there's going to be an invasion of ukraine and you know i do still want to be around to be one of the people that breaks the news and comments on it very much so so it's um, it's in tv then not saying a word and i haven't i haven't hung my broadcasting spurs up yet no and i Mm. I hope not to really so well that's interesting so the the reappraisal uh, of your life, and I mean, I, I totally respect you're obviously going to go to a new position because that's a big part of who you are. are. Are you even with that, though, going to seek a different balance from the one that you had? Well, the thing that your wonderful emailer said about not feeling you know, dictated to by time, that is going to play a much bigger part. Please, God, if the Lord spares me to at least enjoy it, because I I just think, oh, don't kill me now. Please, let me have a chance to experience it and imagine what it would be like, you know, not to have to set an alarm. Imagine that. Because I have been leaping from my bed at 3.30 for years and years and years, 3.30 a.m. And to just have, you know, the luxury of sleeping a bit longer, you know, calling my own sort of pace a bit more you know not and also I have felt that I have been such a horrible policeman to myself for all these years you know I had the worst kind of nasty headmistress don't do this don't drink don't go out don't stay out you know go to sleep now now don't watch tv you know don't even look out the windows go to sleep 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 wake up wake up run jump you know don't do this don't do a wee you can't do a wee you haven't got time do not do a wee put out your knickers the night before make sure you've done this that just all sounds horrific I mean, you you can imagine one person doing it for one day and then expecting such applause and, you know, my God, you were amazing, you did all of that and, whoa, we've got a lot to thank you for, but to do it for years on end, I just can't even contemplate that. And and tell me, did you have a social life at all? Yeah. (laughs) When? (laughs) Three in the afternoon till four? Mm. I, I just didn't see any point at all working this hard and not having any fun. So, so Ben and I were always everywhere. We we we've got tons of friends. You had, sorry, Vanessa. You are everywhere. That's another thing I want to pick you up on. Your social yeah. media, but I'll, I'm going to rest that for the moment. You're never off it. It's she's amazing. She's got a bee in her bonnet about social media, Vanessa. Just to warn you, she's always giving me a row about it as and well. And I thought you were a bad key, but Vanessa, you're kind of like way up there. Right, sorry, Ben. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. You- 
social life, yes. Lots of friends, lots of chums, big family, busy, busy all the time, plus going out, always wanting to go to the premiere, the party, the, the show, the concert, the something, partly because my mum died so young. You know, I think, well, what am I alive for if I don't get to, you know, do, do the fun things as well? But I found, because of the whole getting up thing, that I'd be sort of keeling over halfway through the play. I'd always have to leave before the pudding, which is, for me, an absolute <laughs> terrible sacrifice. I'd always have to leave before the award winner actually got the award or before the final act, which was the one everyone was waiting for, actually performed. So I'd slap out and then I'd have to sort of miserably trudge back like Cinderella. And um, but yes, we do have a social life. I mean, I think life's not life without fun and friends and somewhere, you know, that you're looking forward to to go. So I've tried I've tried to do it all and have it all. And I know that, you know, eventually something's got to give. It's not really possible to do. And although I've really, really given it my best shot. But just to, to take you back to that, Vanessa, because one of the things I was going to ask you was where you get your incredible drive from. And, and I'm sorry, I wasn't aware of, of you losing your mum when she was so young. But you've just said it again there. Uh, is is that a core part of your drive to to eat up as much life as you possibly can because your mum didn't live as long as you would obviously have wanted her to? Yes, I think so. I think I think there's that. I think there's the idea to you know dreadful cliche, but you know this isn't a dress rehearsal. You're absolutely not guaranteed even tomorrow, let alone the whole future. You know if you kind of think, oh well, I'll I'll put it on hold. I'll put it on hold. And eventually, I'll do it. You never know if you're ever really going to get the chance. You know, there's all of that kind of thing. Uh, I've always been scared stiff of not having any money. That's another thing. I was absolutely wiped out in the most brutal divorce, um, leaving me kind of you know a gibbering wreck on the floor. You know, absolutely kind of annihilated that was another horrible thing and you know wait 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 where you suddenly think oh my god um oh dear you know how, how am I going to pay the bills how am I going to keep the children afloat how am I going to you know keep all the all the all, all, all the kind of things that I, I now have to take full responsibility for going that sort of a thing so I've always been scared of not having any money so there's there's been all sorts of things you know grabbing the opportunity that nasty kind of um, unpredictability of being freelance which anybody listening to this will know how that feels you know when you've got a short contract you're never sure whether you're going to get another the one and you never do somehow feel more confident each time you worry that you won't have employment so it's, it's fear of not having any money um and fear I suppose of missing out on opportunities and saying no and not saying yes mm. I always reckon you should give it a whirl yeah I mean obviously I, I I kind of watched it from the outside like lots of people did because you were so much in the public eye. You you talked about your brutal divorce. Um, I only see your relationship with Ben on Instagram, but, I mean, you have the sweetest thing going on there, it looks like. I love the way he calls you felty. I know, that's lovely. Um, it, it, two completely different experiences. Absolutely right. I mean, they couldn't be, the two human beings involved couldn't be more different. And Ben is, you know, he's an adorable person he and um, we on the surface and actually maybe even deeper the surface have nothing whatsoever in common absolutely nothing you know totally different backgrounds religions ethnicities um educations ambitions you know he was assigned rapper at the age of about 16 you know he already had a, a recording contract kind of jumped out the school window absconded you know got a contract and and you know he's been writing and performing music ever since he's a nightclubs guy he's a he's a, a, a you know a complete different sort of um 
I suppose, realm of expectations and, and, and desires than me. Um, but somehow or other, I don't know how it's happened, really, but we've been together 16 years. And he is, you know, as you can see on the Instagram, you know, he's a very delightful person. He's the kind of person that enjoys everything. He's not tortured. So he doesn't sort of get there and think, oh, I don't really like the curtains. Why are we doing this? What is this play anyway? Who wrote it? Isn't it banal? Isn't it superficial? I'm thinking that. He's just thinking, yeah great and having a good time how he does it I don't know but it is a definite talent and I've tried to absorb a bit of it over the last 16 years Vanessa would you get married again are you asking me my darling are you I am <laughs> because you know what I'm we sitting are. here looking at you <laughs> hoping Bye. you'll say yes We've, we've, we've been engaged for 16 years. I've married off both my daughters during that time in very expensive, full-scale, white tie and tails, 85 bridesmaids kind of weddings. During the time we've been together, the 16 years, Ben and I have been, been to so many weddings, as you can imagine, many of which have collapsed in flames, those marriages. And so we're beginning to think, I think, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But who knows? We may slip away one day and just do the deed. But if we do, it'll be very quietly. We won't, we won't go full, you know, full meringue. <laughs> So what what makes it work between you then? Um, I don't. I I I think we 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 just. I think we both just thought we'd be nice to each other. I think we just thought we you know we'll we don't have to do this. We we must want to do this, and so therefore we'll we'll we'll, we'll just try and be nice to each other. We'll try and encourage each other. And certainly, when I gave those two speeches at work on Thursday, when I came out of the BBC, Ben was there waiting for me, and I didn't know he would be. There was oh. no arrangement. All. And that was really, really meaningful because, uh, you know, I felt absolutely desolate and distraught. And he he was just waiting for me. And we, we went out for breakfast and, you know, he didn't say all that much, but he's just big and cuddly and he was very understanding. And that's one example, you know. Do you know what? That nice is that is huge, Vanessa. I mean, as you know that I'm, I do lose women and we discuss relationships endlessly. Um, and I remember there was some topic came up and it was a woman who had said that, you know, you have to make an active um, effort to be not only nice to your partner, but even perhaps nicer than you really want to be in the moment, because many long term relationships become very transactional and you have little resentments, you know, well, you know, I did the dishes last night and, and I did the cooking and you didn't do it and blah, 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 blah. And so this woman was saying you have to be you know, conscious of being nice. And to be honest, in the moment, I thought, oh, God, what a load of shit. <laughs> but when I hear you see it, say that, it makes me think, yeah, maybe that is what you are with somebody for. See, I do think that because I really do. I'm not, I don't think it is a load of shit. I think, um, for example, Ben has a tendency to forget stuff the whole time. He leaves his, you know, charger behind. He leaves his phone in a, in a cab. He leaves his jacket behind at a hotel. He leaves forever forgetting stuff. And in fact, only this very morning, I think he might have forgotten his charger. He might not. Anyway, I've got a choice, haven't I? Either I do the kind of kvetchy, kind of ticked off, kind of pissed off. And I go, oh, for God's sake, you always forget your time. You always forget everywhere we go. You always forget it. I could do that. That's one option. Or I could say, oh, God, I hope you haven't forgotten it, sweetheart. Don't worry. We'll give the hotel a ring later and see if it's still there or something. I've got the choice, don't I? Yeah. I could be annoying, sort of all-knowing, omniscient, virtuous, the paragon that never forgets anything and really lets him have it and know it. Or I could be the supportive you know, un, un sort of burdensome, 
trying not to be annoying partner. I mean, I've got the choice. I mean, I'm not saying I always take the nice choice, but at least I'm aware of it and I try to. And I think he tries to. So we try not to drive each other mad and be be nasty because it's easy to snipe and 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 kind of generally torpedo each other the whole time. And we try not to. That's basically it. It's not that difficult. It's not that deep either. It's just try and be a bit nicer. I think that person who said that to you is onto something. Uh, did did your previous relationship, you know, which was clearly the opposite one, did that help you come to that conclusion to want to do it differently? Now, you see, you may not know about my relationship. I thought I was extremely happily married. Oh. I wasn't in a horrible, nasty relationship. At least I didn't think so. But it turns out that I was married to somebody incredibly plausible who presented a particular kind of public face and that I had been fooled by the public face. So I, I essentially, as you know, probably knows the surgeon and my analysis of him is that he had a magnificently effective bedside manner, which in general you'd have switched on for your patients and the public. But he did the same to me. And so I fell for it in the same way as his patients. So I didn't think I was unhappily married and I didn't think I was married to someone horrible. I thought I was incredibly happily married, someone delightful until the day he said he was leaving. And that's the first I knew that there was anything wrong with my marriage. And please don't say, did I turn a blind eye? Was I, you know, was I pretending not to know? Really, I did not and I was not. And um, so it came as the most almighty shock. I, I, I could say one of the only good things about it is I don't look back on a horrid marriage because I didn't have a horrible, well, at least I didn't think I had a horrible marriage. I thought I had a great marriage. But you had a horrible Ooh. breakup, I guess. I had a horrible breakup and it turned out that, 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 that the husband wasn't at all in any particular the person that I thought he was, not at all. I, I had been absolutely kind of duped by a very, very convincing, very smooth, you know, very compelling sort of uh, persona. But I, I just obviously didn't know that. But at least I don't look back on years of misery because and arguments and horrible times because we didn't have any. But I mean, did that make it difficult to go into another relationship? No, I was, God, I was, I would have gone married the next day if someone asked me. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in Fiddler on the Roof, you know, matchmaker, matchmaker, it was all like that. You had to be married, you had to have a husband. And the idea of life without one was so unthinkable. Literally, if somebody, anyone said, I'm a Jewish accountant, I'm a dentist from Golders Green, will you marry me? I just said yes, straight away. Have you, hey, I'm really, so you think I'm joking. I'm not joking. But but why why does the immensely capable, independent Vanessa ever think like that? Because I was just kind of brought up to think like that. I was brought up to think, you know, without a husband, you're nothing. You know, find your husband, and then you know your father will take you up the aisle, and this is what you're born for, and this is what you're for. And it came. I was I read English literature at Cambridge at Trinity, which is you know one of the, the biggest and most beautiful colleges, one of the hardest to get into for that, one of the hardest subjects you can possibly get into. I was the first member of my family to go to Oxbridge. It was a really really big deal. And whenever I phoned home with my two P's and my ten P's at the payphone, my parents said, "Well, have you met anyone? Have you met anyone? Oh, met anyone and met." Are you engaged? Are you engaged? That was a, and when I came back again, you know, after the three years with my degree and my kettle and my bath mat and all the stuff that I'd taken up, I brought down again back to my parents' house. And my father, paraphrasing Pride and Prejudice, said, darling, you have delighted us long enough. In other words, for God's sake, get married, get oh out, get God. married. But I couldn't leave. I had to be married to go. I couldn't just move into a flat share with other girls or boys or anyone that was absolutely um, unthinkable I had to be engaged I had to get married and that's what I did wow and that's an, back yeah to a doctor that my grandma chose he came to take a blood sample from her in the hospital and she said are you Jewish and he said yes and she and he said she said are you married and he said no and she said have I got a girl for you 
That's wow. the truth. That's not, that's not a, an urban myth. That is absolutely word for word exactly what happened. And so with your girls, what have you said to your girls? The opposite. Mm. The opposite. Although they are both married and they have both got lovely, lovely husbands and beautiful children. Um, but I, they were under no pressure from me. The absolute opposite. And also, I made it quite clear that they were beautiful, gorgeous, accomplished, fun, sexy, fabulous girls. And they would do the choosing. Whereas my parents were much more, God, I hope someone chooses you. Bloody hell, I hope you'll be chosen. Whereas I was, you'll choose. And if you don't want to choose, don't choose. You know, there's a whole world out there. You don't need to hurry to get married or indeed get married at all. But they did. Yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting. Another thing, I mean, this time of life, uh, what I'm finding interesting about it is that, you know, you reflect, you just start to reflect and not necessarily to get maudlin or whatever, but um, you you do start to sort of try and piece things together a little bit. And lots of people follow in their parents' footsteps and their attitudes and things and other people actively <laughs> mix things up a little bit. You know, maybe not all aspects of life, but some of them. So clearly you consciously decided to go another way with that one. Yes, I did. I mean, I think I think but both my parents were highly intelligent. My mum, as I said, a graduate, my father, a highly literary kind of character. My father, uh, we, you know, other people had TV rooms. We had a room my father called The Study. It was book lined, literally floor to ceiling. They forever reading books and discussing them. How? Ever. They seem to put an enormous abyss between what they've read and what they kind of must have perceived from the books that they absorbed and their real approach to real life. It was so peculiar. So it was as if we were living in, in as I said, on the roof, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a small village in the shtetl. But at the same time, not, nothing that they saw around them after all the six, you know, they got married in 1959 and there was swinging 60s and there was feminism. All of that somehow didn't seem to permeate or penetrate or any other bloody thing. And I wasn't going to have that for my kids. No, I didn't. And I didn't feel the same anyway. Yeah. I feel completely different. Can I ask you something about something completely different? And it's Strictly. You've done Strictly, haven't you? Yes. Yes. Do you think I'm mad? <laughs> no, I don't think you're mad. I don't think, though, that you can imagine what it's like doing it. And I can only give you my own <laughs> perspective. On it, which is this. So, so I did it in 2013. I was um, I was 51, and I was expecting my first grandchild. And I was, as I, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, supposedly, if anything, an intellectual. I'm certainly not a dancer. I've got no aptitude for it whatsoever. Um, but I thought it wouldn't matter because I thought I'd just think, well, I'm not supposed to be a good dancer, so that's fine. No one will expect me to be, so that's fine. So I'll do my very best and I'll try hard, and it'll be fine. But actually, what happens is once you start doing it, you start to care enormously enormously about it mm. and also <laughs> you can't just say on the tv when alan dedicote says and taking the floor oh. hey, and her partner you can't say well actually i'll write you an essay on chaucer instead <laughs> or I'll, I'll make you some chicken soup which is what i'm really good at or i'll have a good debate with boris johnson and keir starmer why don't i do that that you're actually dancing so you can't kind of pretend you're not when you are you are and as you are, and there are about 14 million people oh, taking it deadly seriously. <laughs> Stop it, Vanessa. I wish I hadn't asked. Including your own family and everyone you've ever known in your entire life and people you didn't even know who knew you and absolutely the entire world is watching. You suddenly think, oh, shit, man. I've really got to dance and I don't want to look like a total plonker. I mean, I really want to be able to do it well. I want to do a good dance. And then you start to really care profoundly. And then, you know, you can't sleep because you're running through the steps in your brain. <laughs> 
going cha 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 cha. You look at yourself in the mirror, you look like an absolute oafish idiot. You think, oh my god, it it it's a really big old thing. It's huge. It's bigger than anything. I know loose women is big, and I know you've done lots of other big things. Nothing, nothing comes close to strictly in 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 terms of the way people feel about it and the sheer number of people who throw their hand in the ring and really give a damn about your dance. Oh my god, really. Did you enjoy it? As usual, I was getting up at half past three in the morning and I was, and I was, I, during Strictly's when I learned to write my newspaper column while oh actually speaking on the radio because I had no other time to write it because so much of your day is spent rehearsing. So I was absolutely knackered the whole way through, but I loved, loved the dancing and I love learning to dance. And I love James Jordan, who was my partner. We got on really famously we had such a great time and I loved mastering I mean inverted commas I, mean, I did my best but you know mastering a new skill and I loved I mean I loved I loved that part the actual performing on the night not so much it was absolutely terrifying oh. and on, on the night is the first time you get to see how brilliant everyone else is it's horrible because all week you just rehearse with your own professional in wherever it is at the gym or wherever you're, you're rehearsing so you're completely intent upon your own performance and learning and learning and learning and learning and then on the day bloody hell you right, Vanessa else. do you know what you said now Kate is just about on the floor now she is sweating I can see her sweating profusely and thinking what the heck have I done see I was I was hoping do not think anyone doesn't think it's important. Oh. People really, really care. And everyone in your entire universe is watching it. And if you can't dance, I can't. you don't feel okay. You don't feel okay. I can't dance. Just can't keep dance. thinking Anne Widdicombe, you'll be fine. You'll have to learn like hell. But, uh, well, see, I was hoping that because I'm like nearly 60, well, not that people will be kind to me, but that... I wouldn't care so much. The fact that you've just said that you still cared is really alarming Enormously. me. Enormously. Vanessa's and guess 51. what else you care about? What? You care hugely when you're told to go home and you don't get through. Oh, flipping you it. You think you won't. You think you'll think, oh, phew, I was never any good at dancing anyway. You know, I had my time. That was great. Goodbye. Marvellous. I'll watch everybody else from home on the telly and I'll be relaxing. You don't feel like that at all. Rory, what's his name? Rory Bremner. Mm. Rory Bremner thrown out, said, being thrown out of Strictly is like watching the most magnificent, exquisite, luxury liner with everybody <laughs> you love in the world, drinking champagne and eating caviar, and you're told you can't get on board. And if anything, he understated it. You feel terrible when you're kicked out. Absolutely terrible. Oh, God. She's sailing away without you. God. Oh, dear God. Did you one more question about it, and then I can't bear any more, and then we're going to do a quick burst of bingo, and then we'll, we'll let you go back to, to the kids. But... Do I mean so you were fifty one, I'm fifty-nine. Um do you I'm hope because I'm this age, you know, I mean I'm realistic, I'm worried about looking like a piece of mutton, but I've kind of given up the ghost on my looks. Do you know what I mean? And I sort of I'm not gonna try and be sexy because at fifty-nine I'm not sexy and I know that. But does it make you aware of yourself as a piece of meat? Do you know oh. what I mean? And that your meat is perhaps not hanging as nicely as it could. It's harsh. Yes. Oh, God. thanks, Vanessa. <laughs> That's even more harsh. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, oh you're brutal. Yes, because 
regard, the dancers have perfect bodies. They are perfect. They are oh, beautiful. They are young and they are exquisite. You spend the whole time looking in the mirror and moving and wiggling, usually in the wrong direction because you're not good at doing it, slightly out of time with a grumpy expression on your face. Your hair frizzes up. You look all blotchy. All the bits <laughs> you try to diet away, they won't diet away because you're too old. They're just kind of flobbing about. The place is still there. And then they put you in some out. It and you think, oh my God, if it's a grandma outfit, you God. hate it because you think, Jesus, why did they dress yes. me as a grandma? This is horrible of them. I hate them. And if it's a kind of frou-frou oh. with just one tassel on each nipple and your, oh. you know, vagina showing, you think, oh my God, is this dignified? You know, do okay, you think you quite like that one. You like you try and go for that one. That one. <laughs> so it's the opposite of win-win key. You've had it. Lose, lose. Are you okay with your body now, Vanessa? Because I know in the past you've had your struggles. Listen, it's the one I've been given. Of course, I'm okay with it. I'm very grateful to it for carrying me around all day and, and you know, making sure I still have fun. And I, you know, you know, first of all, I, I mean, this is really boring and I'm well bored talking about it, but I had a gastric band, then a gastric bypass, which I had in 2019. So I'm a lot slimmer than I would be if I'd just been left to my own devices because I could never really keep control of the of the weight. And I, you know, I yo-yo dieted. Everybody else was bored by it. So was I. I was more bored than anyone else. So this is very good because it gets me, you know, I, I get to keep a lid on it, which is brilliant so I don't have to think about it or talk about it please don't ask me anything else about it I'm so bored talking about it but I've done all that so that that kind of controls the weight and everything else I don't think is too bad I mean I look at the people who've had facelifts and fillers and all that kind of thing I always think they look a bit weird uh, so I haven't had any of that I started having Botox um about 25 years ago when my uh, husband left me because I noticed not in a mirror but literally in a shop window I was so sad and grief-stricken that you could see these no enormous lines kind of etched in my forehead and between my eyebrows and everything and I I thought god I don't want him to leave an indelible mark on my face mm. um, I just thought that was just ridiculous you know break my heart yes but don't ruin my face at the same time so I had Botox from then. I have that about twice a year. Lots and lots of blonde dye all course all over my non-real blonde hair. Um, <laughs> got long hair because I like long hair and I'm always going to. I'm never going to want to have one of those kind of ancient grandma crops. I don't think that would suit me. And my body, you know, looks, I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's still ticking. That's all. Yeah. Vanessa, I was, I, I'm trying, I'm struggling actually, but there was one thing, an Instagram post that you put up about, you said that you felt you were betraying the sisterhood. And I'm trying to remember what it was again. Was yeah. it about a bikini or was it about arms bare yeah. arms was it no I know what it was I did a thing about bearing arms the right to bear arms I said just about to go on this morning it's one of those you know the hottest day of the year you know the country's never been this hot and I just want to wear this sleeveless dress mm. but my god look at my bingo wings and my arms I'm not Michelle Obama I don't have the right to bear arms but hey I'm going to wear them anyway and I did and lots of people loads of, I don't have messages switched on because I just can't face it but I do have dms and I got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds about this everyone's saying yeah and I'm bearing my arms and so this was all great and then on the back of that one of the papers rang and said please Vanessa we'd love to do a, a, a bikini shoot with you mm. and I just thought that would be a step too far mm. I just thought blind you know I really don't see why anyone else should have to have me in a bikini foisted upon them over their frosties and I said no thank <laughs> you and then I, I did a post saying I in a way I felt enormously relieved to say no, but in a way I felt as if I'd let the sisterhood down because, you know, if I'm so, you know, truculent about bearing arms, mm. why wouldn't I not also bear cellulite and mm. belly button 
every other thing. Anyway, I still haven't done it. So that's the punchline. Well, it's funny <laughs> you say that because I, I was on holiday maybe at the time that that came out and I love wearing bikinis on holiday. I love hot holidays and I love wearing bikinis because it just feels nice. Um, and there was a one point, I remember sitting, you know, in my bikini doing whatever and I thought, oh God, you know, Instagram really wants me to take a photograph and say, here I am at 59, I'm mm. in a bikini. You know, you kind of, that mm. stupid little worm is in the back of your head when in fact probably the world couldn't give a stuff. And then I would talk myself around to it and I thought, well, actually, the reason that I wear a bikini on holiday is because it makes me feel good. Mm -hmm. It's not because I think I look good. It's got nothing to mm. do with how I look. It's got to do with how I feel. And actually, right. for me to put up a photograph of mm -hmm. me in a bikini would be all about how I looked. It's never mm. going to convey how I feel. And actually, right. that's what matters to me. So I didn't do it. Good reason. Excellent. You know, so and I, I think it would make you feel good. But as soon as you maybe post that publicly, I don't know, you just always get some sort of twat, sort of an abuse. And actually, that would just negate. That would just take away how you feel. Yeah. So it's ridiculous. self-destructive, yeah. Anyway, listen, um, we, we play bingo. This is just two questions, randomly chosen. If you, we're gonna, we've got a random thing that will choose a number. Um, it is... 23, okay. Um, oh, well, you kind of answered this one, Vanessa. Have you been lucky in love? I've been unlucky and lucky, but I'm always optimistic and very positive, and I do believe in true love, and I do believe in living happily ever after, and uh, I'm very, very lucky in my current partner, very lucky. Yes, you certainly nice. are. He's, he's adorable. One yeah. more. 37. Your greatest pleasure in life. I think my greatest pleasure in life is to be in my house in uh, Ballycotton Bay in, in East Cork and I with my children, my grandchildren and Ben. So that we're all together. So we're having a kind of real life. So it's no one visiting anybody. No one's in their best clothes. No one's coming over, especially with just someone's having a bath. You know, somebody's cutting their nails. You know, somebody's having a you know, boiled egg. <laughs> we're just all mushed in together. I used to watch Dallas and I used to see them in Southport, you know, all <laughs> living together. With Miss Ellie and 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 Jock and and I used to think, oh, I'd love that. And when I when we come to Ireland all together, which we are right now, that's what we've got. It's not called sort of special occasion. It's just like daily living, but together. And that to me, that is my mm. greatest pleasure yeah. by miles. You love those grandchildren, yeah. don't you? I do. I really do. Honestly, if I could put them in a sandwich and eat them, I would. <laughs> <laughs> I they are gorgeous. They're gorgeous. Well, listen, we need to let you go and enjoy your time with them. Um, thanks so much, Vanessa. Yeah. And we look forward to hearing what your next project oh, is. You've intrigued us. Good luck on Strictly, my darling. <laughs> Good. Gosh, you'll need it. <laughs> no, you won't. You won't. You're very talented. It's not in your feet. Oh, God. <laughs> the energy of that woman. God, how do you keep going for 16 years? She did that horrific... No, no, that, that, no she'd been with Ben for 16 years. Oh, right, I think sorry. she'd been doing that sort of work schedule for longer Is than it... that. God almighty. Are oh. you tired listening? No. <laughs> no, but I mean, it, it exhausts you just listening is what I mean. I, I, I just think, why? <laughs> it's just, why? And then also, when, when you've got one radio programme and somebody else is looking for you for another one... It, you think they'd think, nah, she's already doing one. She won't have time to do another one. Oh, my God. Well, Thank God she's made the decision, but who knows what the next thing's going to be. I know. I think she's going to have her own channel. A, that was a doof, doof, doof moment, wasn't God, it? I know. 
It was, and certainly had doof, doof, doof. Uh, wow. By the way, I see you've got your arms out. Yeah, and I had to change my dress as well because I had a different dress on this morning because I thought the forecast was going to be rain and came in on the bike and then I thought, oh, I can't cycle with the other dress on. I'm going to have to change because now the weather's dry and all the rest of it. Oh my God, did you get soaked last week? Sorry, I know I'm rambling. I got drenched leaving here last week. Oh yeah, so did I. I just People were laughing at each other on bikes because it was just, you've gone too far now, you just look like hell. <laughs> no, but I'm saying you've got your arms out. Does that I bother have. you? Uh, as long as they're down the way, they're all right, you can't see, but... Just don't wave at anyone. Christ, do you know what? I was told, and Lisa, let me just work back the way, 28 I was... And I went in to get inoculations for going, did a wee round the world trip. And the doctor at the time, and I was 28, remember this, 28. She said to me, and it was a woman, she said to me, oh my God, you've got these arms that you can't weave bye-bye to with, with a sleeveless top on. And I remember that. How many years later? And she's right, my mother had them, I've got, we've all got them. I don't know if you can get rid of them. You know how you hold them like that and then you let go and you think, oh God, all that flesh. But there we are, they are mine. So as long as I keep them down and walk like a soldier. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's funny, those casual remarks that somebody makes and will it's... never think about again and it lodges in your brain and it can stay with you a lifetime. I know it does. It's mm. horrible. Anyway, well, there you go. I'm really looking forward to Strictly now. And <laughs> <laughs> you'll, I wonder what kind of clothes you'll have. Will you have sleeve? Oh, you will have sleeveless tops. They'll be. Oh, you might not necessarily. Have <gasps> I mean, she doesn't Christ. miss and hit the wall, does she, oh, Vanessa? I, I mean, I was expecting I some sort of warm words of encouragement there. Oh, and Jesus, but she's right. Do you know what? She's right. That I, I'm. I'm actually glad that I had that because that is the reality. I have been in a complete bubble about it. Um, and I just keep sort of trying to put it to the back of my mind as if it's going to happen to somebody else. And, I, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I got that. Well, you know how people make lists of their, what they want to achieve? Mm. I would put that at the top so you can stroke it off. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not being very helpful. But I wonder if you'll fall in love with your um, partner. That's the least of my worries, I'll tell you. I'm off well, to I'll do a cha-cha-cha. I'll be looking. Um, Ian Dale next week. Um, oh, yeah. Who is the podcast king. He's got so many podcasts, it's unbelievable. Yeah, Ian Dale, of course, LBC presenter, mm -hmm. who is also, well, I say he's also at the Edinburgh Festival. He almost is the Edinburgh Festival. He's got so many shows on. Um, and so we will see him there. And, of course, got to remind people, our two dates, the 23rd and 24th um, of August, we are live at the Edinburgh Festival Fringe. Tickets are still available. Yes, at our How To Be 60 podcast. Come and join us there. Cha, cha, cha. Next week, radio presenter and podcaster Ian Dale will be telling us about his days as a sauna whore. Yeah, you heard me right. And Karen and I are so looking forward to our two live shows at the Edinburgh Festival on the 23rd and 24th of August. We'll be joined by my pal Nadia Sawala and a touch of class, Robert Bathurst, who I loved in Cold Feet in Downton Abbey. That's on the Tuesday. And on the Wednesday, it's comedy legend Clive Anderson and the fabulous Jojo Sutherland. Come and see us. Karen might even make some elderflower cordial. <laughs>